Welcome to Fearless Mom. Today we start a new series, Family is Funny. And I mean, seriously, family is funny. That is an understatement, am I right? God's design that two people would come together from different backgrounds, from different homes, and then they would you know, be married happily ever after, and then throw different kids in the mix, throw in in-laws, parents, adult siblings. Oh, and as we get near the holidays, let's just all agree that family is funny, am I right? <laughs> yes, family is funny. And so I'm super excited to talk about, to get started today. Today we're going to talk about um, a little bit more of the personality info and how we can use that information as we parent our children. But first, we want to welcome in our online moms, online moms, and you know what? And our online dads. We've heard recently that there are couples who set aside time to watch or listen together. Isn't that amazing? And so we welcome in those online dads. Um, but we just want to remind you, if you are listening or watching by yourself, you are not alone. There's a group of moms here in Austin cheering you on. We believe in you, we stand with you, we cheer for you, you can do this. And sometimes we have to do that in the mirror, am I right? You can do this, mom, you can. Let's pray and get started. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word, I thank you for the church. I thank you, God, that you've given us a place where we can gather to encourage one another, to support one another. And I thank you, God, for technology that allows us to reach outside the walls of the church to encourage moms outside these walls. I ask right now, God, that you settle our hearts and minds and that you open our eyes and ears to see and hear what you want us to learn today so that we can be the moms we've been created to be, so that we can raise up these kids to be who you've created them to be. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. You know what? That was a B plus. And everybody said? Amen. Very good, very good. I've told you guys before that my children are complete opposites, and I think it may be one of the grossest understatements of you know, the world. Emily um, is Emily, and Joe is Joe. But they were born that way, literally I remember Emily in the nursery at the hospital the day she was born. She had really fair skin and dark, dark, almost black eyes. And boy, they were wide open. Only baby in the nursery. Eyes wide open. She was sizing everybody up. She was saying, you know, who is going to be uh, in my world and who's going to take care of me next? You know, she was just super, super aware. And then when it came time, you know, Emily was like the kid that you could take anywhere. Mac was doing student ministry at the time. And she literally went on beach week when she was seven months old. And I had a condo of girls, of teenagers. And she just saw herself as a peer. You know, it was amazing. She was just born that way. Joseph, on the other hand, Joe slept the entire first six months of his life. I mean, we did not, we nicknamed him the blob. We literally never saw him except when I was feeding him. That was it. He slept all the time. Emily was awake all the time. Emily was 
to say that she was aware is a gross understatement. When she was about five, our church had, um, we were meeting in a high school, and we would serve bagels before church. And so one morning she said, Mom, can I go get a bagel? I said, yes, you can go get a bagel. So she goes out there, and she comes back into the room I was in, and she's crying, sobbing, but she's carrying her bagel. And she said, I said, Emily, what is wrong? And she said, that lady didn't want to give me a bagel. And I said, but you got a bagel. She goes, I know, but I could tell by her eyebrows that she didn't want to give it to me. <laughs> I said, oh my gosh. She was so aware and she felt everything so deeply. Joe, on the other hand, let's just say he was not quite as aware. Actually, to be honest, he was aware. He just didn't feel things as deeply or explain things as readily or as loudly as Emily did. He didn't express it as much. But things just didn't bother Joe. And I'm telling you, that's the way he was from the beginning. But when he was about four or five, I picked him up from preschool. And um, I literally, you know, bent down to put him in his car seat. And I picked him up and he was soaking wet. He'd been at school all day. And so I said, hey, buddy, um, did you have an accident today at school? And he goes, yes, ma'am. I said, oh, well, did you tell your teacher? No, ma'am. I said, oh, when was it? And he said, when I was on the playground, like two hours ago. And so I said, um, Joe, were you thinking, oh, I need to go potty, but I'm on the playground, I'll just go here? Or were you thinking, oh, I need to go potty, uh, already did, oh, well. He goes, that one. <laughs> no. And so I'm like, Joe would have stayed in those pants like all day. It would not have phased him. It would, I mean, and fortunately I did, I just want you to know, I did make him change when we got home. But he didn't care. Stuff did not rattle him. He was aware. And boy, that presented its own parenting challenges. Because he didn't express it so readily, I had to really pay attention. I had to really watch to see what rattled him because it was so seldom, you know. Whereas Emily, on the other hand, no one ever wondered what she was thinking or feeling, you know. No one ever wondered. It's amazing how children come to us with so many of these characteristics. And I know those of you who have one child, you're thinking, oh, I've got this perfect, you know, my child is so compliant, so obedient, sleeps on a schedule. I hope you have a second one. <laughs> I, I hope you have a second one. But you know what? Some kids are, and some kids sleep more quickly than others. And some kids, you know, don't need that rest as much as other kids do. They all come to us a certain way, and then it's our responsibility to figure them out and to learn how to parent them. I mean, family is funny. Parenting, you have to laugh to keep from crying sometimes, but that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to embrace these kids we've been given and do our best to equip them to live in this world. We know that God in his infinite wisdom, and as I believe in his divine humor, shaped each child differently. And it says in Ephesians, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. Say masterpiece. 
For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And our children, too, are masterpieces. Each of us and each of our children is wonderfully complex and distinctly different. And our responsibility is to learn and study our children. So we know uh, our study over the first few weeks, we talked about how each one of us is created on purpose with purpose, for a purpose. We talked about how critical it is to understand our own identities because our parenting will be an overflow of what we believe about ourselves. So now we're gonna take all of that information about identity and about personality drift and all that and go, how can I take that information and use it as a tool as I parent my children? So we're gonna go ahead and embrace the fact that our children are created on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. Every single child is created on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. Here's the deal about the way you come into the world. We've said, you know, your natural predisposition or your personality or your drift, whatever it is. You come into the world, but then you combine it with God's power and God's promises, and that just develops limitless potential. Never underestimate what the Almighty God can do through a fully surrendered life. That's your life, and that's your child's life. We trust that God has a divine plan and that we are going to ask him for his guidance as we parent our children. And we can never underestimate what the Almighty God can do through a fully surrendered life. It's so important that we understand that now. We understand that, yes, we make mistakes as moms. Every single mom will make mistakes, often before breakfast. But we know that God uses all things to work together for his glory and our good. Same with our children. Our children will make mistakes, but we know they are created on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose, and our responsibility as moms is to, you know, shape them, to help equip their minds and their hearts to be who God created them to be. We, our job really, as we back up in our first few lessons, talked about understanding ourselves and understanding others and how critical that is in every relationship. Well, then, I have to understand then that that's important for my child too. So my job as mom is to learn my child, is to study them so then I can help him understand himself better and understand others better so that all of his relationships are better. So much of parenting, it's different with every child. It is different with every child. And, you know, you have your first kid, and you're like, okay, I got this thing going. And you have your second kid, and you're like, none of that works with this one. And then those of you who are overachievers and go on to have a third or fourth, you're like, what is happening? You know, it's amazing how different kids can be. The Bible does give us some guidance, though, in Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So many of us rely on that second part. We're like, I'm going to teach him, I'm going to teach him, because then when he's old, he'll come back to it. But I want to focus on the first part. What is my responsibility? Because my child is going to make his or her own decisions. But my responsibility is to train up a child in the way he should go. And this is a command that to do well, to obey completely, we have to understand. It's, it takes work. It takes research. It takes um, intentionality. It takes studying our children, being aware and learning each child. And you're like, wow, that sounds exhausting. It is. 
if you do it right, but it's so worth it. And the more you understand your child, the better you understand, the more you know his quirks, his likes, his dislikes, his strengths, his weaknesses, the better you are equipped to equip him to live life. So is it hard work? Yes, it is. But it's so worth it, and it's much, much more effective. And go ahead and understand now that, yes, there are some parenting truths that apply to every child, but there are different strategies we use with each child. And it's, that doesn't, you're thinking, well, gosh, you teach us all this. Yes, there are truths that apply to every child, but you will Use those truths. You will implement them different for every child. So if my job is to understand my child, a great parent is a great student. To teach your child, you must first study your child. To teach your child, you must first study your child. And this begins very early. Understand their, their requirements for sleep. Do they like patterns? Do they, do they need that schedule more than other children do? Do they enjoy, um, you know, quiet more than other children or more than you do. It's important that we learn them. The earlier we learn them, the better. It's also important to understand that they grow and change. Children grow and change, and we can't put them in a box, but we do try to understand them better. Study your child. Every child is different, and as a matter of fact, there are, there are definite similarities, and so uh, no matter where I teach on parenting, if I have an audience of 20 or 1,000, somebody will come up to me and say, I have an Emily. And somebody else will say, I have a Joseph. There are definite similarities, but every child is created unique. Each child is, um, each child is different. We know that. You're wonderfully complex and distinctly different. Now, uh, when we talk about personality drifts in children, I'm going to give a big, huge warning here. We take the information that we have from the drifts, and we can look at the charts and, and study them and learn them, but this isn't about labeling. It's about understanding. The reason you use the chart is because it gives you some things to look for, not because you're trying to put your kid in one of the columns. It's because you're looking, particularly if your child is different from yourself, then you go, well, I can see that my emotional needs are this, but my child, he doesn't seem to be responding the same way. Well, maybe then he drifts more toward this way or more toward this way. There's value in having the information. There's value in learning the information to understand understand your child better, but alert, alert, we're not labeling, we are understanding. Um, I had a friend who had studied the personalities and the drifts with us, and she, it helped her when she was parenting her son, who was pretty different from her. They were out on the beach, and they were about to take a family picture. Actually, they had built a sandcastle, and he wanted to take a picture with the whole family with the sandcastle. Now, he was seven at the time, so they were trying to get everybody around it, trying to get somebody to take the picture, when all of a sudden, he busted out, I just wanted the perfect picture. And she was like, oh, okay then. So you really felt, 
deeply about this. She understood them because she had studied, even though she didn't understand or feel as deeply about it, he did. And so it helped her in parenting him because she realized then, okay, he feels things deeply. My responsibility in parenting him is to help him see that that is a gift, those deep feelings. And now how can he use them productively and effectively? How can he communicate them? Does that make sense? So she saw that even though it was different from her. She didn't see it as a weakness. It's a gift, but she's now going to help him channel that. Had another friend who said that her daughter, who is the complete opposite of her, she said that her daughter um, was getting ready to go to one of her son's football games and um, had on two different shoes. And so she said, now, why, um, why are you wearing two different shoes? And so I'm going to read this a quote because this is hilarious. Her daughter said, because it's fun. It's like a party. Doesn't it look cool? Is that the greatest? This mom, although she would never walk out of the house in two different shoes, ever, ever, ever. But you see, she recognizes that it's important for her daughter. She recognizes that it's important to allow her daughter to find fun and to put fun in every single thing she does. And wearing two different shoes is a party for her. And so that, and so this mom has chosen that, even though she's so different, to say that's important to her and that's so fun for her. And so I'm going to let go of some things so that she can, you know, flourish and develop in that part of her life. It's important to understand that our kids may be very different from us, and that's okay. Maybe your kid is your complete opposite. I would say that it's pretty, um, pretty apparent. Emily and I are very similar in some ways and complete opposites in other ways. But it's my responsibility to study her and to understand her, even the parts that don't come naturally to me. Same with Joseph. It's my responsibility to understand him so that I can better equip him. When we take this personality information and the drifts and we look at the emotional needs and we look at the, um, the likes and the dislikes and what causes stress and what doesn't cause stress and what fuels and what drains people, we have to be super wise when we apply it because information application requires common sense. And we know that common sense is uncommon. So when we take this information and we start to apply it to our parenting, we have to be sure that we are prayed up and that we are filtering it through God's wisdom and we're asking him for discernment as we apply it. So before we go any further, I want you to understand that yes, this is valuable information. If you start to take that personality info to understand it better, to parent your children better, not just about yourself or about your adult friends, but also about your children. Remember, they're always growing and changing. They're always developing. It's not about labeling, it's about understanding, but we can use it as a tool. We can use it as a tool to better understand them. Joseph, um, remember my kid who wet his pants and didn't tell anybody? And because it didn't bother him, Joseph loves physics. <laughs> Go figure. Um, but he, uh, AP Physics 1, AP Physics 2, he loved it. Never had to study. It just came very naturally to him. And he would come home and say, oh my gosh, we did the coolest thing in physics today. And Mac would say, repeat that sentence and listen to yourself. Yeah, we did the coolest thing in physics today. And, but he loved it. Well, he was um, preparing for the end of year exam and I saw a sheet that had, it was just a page of formulas. What Joseph loved 
was not the formulas. It was the application of the formulas. And to apply the formulas at, during his test, he had to not just memorize them, he had to understand them. Because he had to understand how it fit in each different situation. That is what parenting is like. We can't just learn a formula and memorize it and get to it. We have to study enough that we understand our children so that we are ready for any situation. We have to prepare our children so that they are ready for any situation. And parenting is a process. Turn to your neighbor and say, parenting is a process. There are days when you are like, I have got this thing down. I am killing the mom game today. And you are feeling so good about it. And then there are days where you are thinking, who on earth thought I should have children? <laughs> you know? and, and that's part of the process. That is part of the process. There's no, there's no room for pride in parenting. And um, if so, then, you know, God will give you a strong-willed blessing who will throw a tantrum in the middle of Chick-fil-A the minute you start judging other parents, okay? So there's no room for pride, but parenting is a process. There are good days, there are bad days, but we never, ever quit. We study better to understand better. There were days, and I mean, we're talking like I studied Emily because I could not figure her out. And I studied Joe because I could not figure him out. And Mac and I would say, I do do not get what is happening here. I do not understand it. I can't, I thought we had it down because guess what? They change. Heads up. If you've got a little one, your child will go through metamorphosis like 48,000 times. The moment you think, okay, I've got it down. And then boom, you know, new, new kid comes out of the bedroom the next day. It is quite amazing. It's a process. And we never quit learning, we never quit studying, we never quit trying, but understand that it will be different every single day. What does understand mean? Understand, to grasp how and why someone thinks, feels, or behaves the way they do. To understand means to grasp how and why someone thinks, feels, or behaves the way they do. I kind of laugh about that because I... I think that we can understand, but not really get it. You know, I mean, I, I think you can have a friend maybe who feels things really deeply, or maybe you have a child who feels things really deeply, and you can understand them, but not really get it. It doesn't mean that you understand why they feel that so deeply. You just understand that they do. And so our responsibility, our job is to study to understand. And the first step in understanding is celebrating and appreciating your child's uniqueness. Celebrate and appreciate that your child is unique. Perhaps the child that you have in your home um, is not what you expected. It's not going like you thought it would. Um, it, your child is, is maybe louder than you and your husband, maybe quieter than you and your husband, maybe sillier, maybe more serious. Maybe your child doesn't like sports like you expected, or do, maybe your child doesn't like art or music like you expected. Here's the deal. God put that child in your home, and your responsibility is to say, okay, God, I know that you've created this child wonderfully complex, and I know that you've put this child in my home. So I will celebrate that this child is a gift to me, and I will celebrate his or her uniqueness, and I will parent the child that I have, not grieve and wish that I had another one. So it, it, it is tempting some days. You go, now this is not what I had in mind. 
This is not at all what I expected. I had one mom say to me, she goes, actually, I've had many moms say to me, this is way harder than I thought. <laughs> no one told me it would be this hard. It is. It, it is difficult if you're doing it right. But my job is to say, God has given me this child, and I will work my tail off to parent this child. And if he's given you, you know, more than one, then each child, that is your responsibility. Embrace the child that you have. Embrace that child. Um, and remembering, when we talk about train up a child in the way he should go, it's in the way he should go. So my responsibility, what is the parenting goal? Happy, healthy, adult children. As I'm understanding my child, I have to understand that my job is to prepare them for adulthood, to equip them for adulthood. And so if you have a child maybe with special needs, then your responsibility is to talk to the counselor, the pediatrician, to go, what does independent look like for her? What does independent look like for him? My responsibility is to help him be as competent and as independent as possible. So I'm going to stay in touch with that counselor, stay in touch with that teacher, stay in touch with that pediatrician, and equip my child to the best of his ability. If your child, you know, is developing more slowly, whatever, you are going, okay, my end goal is the same. And so how am I going to get there? The parenting goal is happy, healthy adult children, strong, independent, competent adults. Notice that 22, Proverbs 22, 6 does not say train up a child in the way he would go. It's train up a child in the way he should go. Because we know that our child's best life is a life surrendered to God, is a life submitted to his word. But kids don't know that. They don't, we all are born with a predisposition towards self-preservation and self-promotion. We all come into the world that way. Survival, I will get what I need, I will get what I want. Now it's my job to learn that child and then to help him submit his will to God's will. And so it's train him up in the way he should go. Here are the things we should do to help prepare him for the world or to help prepare her for the world. Do help your child work on his or her weaknesses. Remember when we did personalities and we said that all these characteristics are neutral? We said that, you know, like a, a, um, a determined, uh, uh, a powerful voice, let's say, is a strength, but it can be a weakness in another situation. Or maybe an easygoing nature can be a strength, but in another situation it could be a weakness. Or maybe a chatty person, could, that could be a strength in one environment and a weakness in another environment. We said that all these characteristics themselves are neutral. But we can watch our children, see their predispositions, see their natural characteristics, and help them use them as strengths and work on their weaknesses. So my responsibility is to study my kids and to say, oh my gosh, you have such determination. You have such focus. That is such a wonderful thing. Sometimes a challenge to parent, am I right? And so, but that's, that's my job to say, how can I help her use this characteristic as a strength? How, how can I help him see when this characteristic is a weakness and help him use it as a strength? My job is to help my child work on his or her weaknesses. Uh, I, I had a mom say to me one time when Joseph was in first grade, school came really easy to Joe. He didn't talk till he was three, but he started reading at four. <laughs> you know, it kind of all came at once. And so he, school was really easy for him, and I had a mom say, that's not fair that Joe never has to study for his spelling test. Um, you know, we have to do it every night we work on spelling. And so she was so frustrated. And I said, okay, let's play that out. 
I said, your daughter is learning how to work hard at age six. Let's talk about how, who benefits more 20 years from now. So this child, did school come easy? No, but hard work did. And she is still a hard worker. So you may look at a characteristic as a weakness, but how can we help them see it as a strength and use it as a strength? That's our job, to work on those weaknesses and to flip them into strengths, to see how we can do that. So do help your child work on his or her weaknesses. Do help your child understand that he or she is responsible for his or her actions. He or she is fully responsible. You might want to add that with a little carrot. Fully responsible for his or her actions. So when I'm talking about a child's weaknesses or about a child's strengths, you have a child that is a deep feeler. Does anybody have a child who's a deep feeler? It's wonderful, isn't it? Well, you're going to have to teach them you are responsible for your face your words, your tone, your body language. Everyone is responsible. But for a deep feeler, they truly believe they cannot help it. But they can. They can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so I will depend on God, and I am fully responsible for my words and my actions, for my face and my tone. I am fully responsible. It's very important that we teach this to kids. And as a matter of fact, it is actually empowering to them. They learn quickly. I'm not a victim of or a slave to my emotions. I am strong enough to respond appropriately. And so we're talking about responsible. Well, my child is impulsive. Impulsive. That's, I, I get it. I, I get that some kids are impulsive. They're still fully responsible for their words or their actions. And so they just have to learn how to do it. We just have to work on it. We have to see, oh, okay, I could see that in a different situation, that could be a weakness, so I'm gonna work on that, and I'm gonna teach him that he's fully responsible and accept responsibility, embrace the responsibility, and be in control. Validate emotions and teach appropriate responses. Now, we're gonna do a whole series on emotions in the spring because I love teaching um, kids about emotions. I think it's a wonderful thing to teach them, emotional vocabulary. So I love equipping parents to help kids deal with emotions. So we're going to go way more into that um, next uh, spring. But responsibility is a big deal and a life skill. If you haven't yet, um, we have a whole series, Pirate Parenting, and we talk about the importance of responsibility. It has a whole lesson just delegated to that. So you can look that up from a different uh, year. But understanding, uh, helping kids understand that they are fully responsible. Anybody know an adult who you wishes would be, yeah, okay, who wishes would be fully responsible for their words and actions? So the earlier we teach them, the better. Another do, help your child identify the triggers for frustration and equip with appropriate responses for frustration, for stress, for anything like that. Anything that could um, be upsetting for your child or, or could be a trigger for a misbehavior or um, something like that. So um, Emily, uh, when she was in kindergarten, I would have to prepare her for a substitute teacher. And so I was very fortunate that um, Miss Sales, her teacher, understood that, so she would let me know when Emily needed had a substitute. So I would say, "Okay, Emily, Miss Sales is not going to be there today." So I was trying to be proactive, as we say, proactive is more than a zit cream; it's a way of life. Okay, so anytime we can anticipate, see, the more you study your child, 
The more you understand those triggers, the more you understand those situations that are going to be difficult for them. So then we prepare them before. Prepare them before the situation. Arm them before the situation. I'd say, Emily, Miss Sales has a substitute today. When can you tell her um, how you usually do it? When she asks me to. I got, that's right. When can you give her advice about how to teach the class? When she asks me to. That's right. When can you share your opinion? When she asks me to. I got, that's right. And I would say, Emily, you know what? She may go to recess before lunch instead of after. What do you think about that? That's okay. I got, that's right. It's okay. And so I would try to prepare her before, not to say that that ironed out all the wrinkles, but anytime I could prepare her before, I'd do the same thing for Joseph in a different situation. Um, Anytime we can, the more you study your child, the more you understand your child, the more you can equip them before a situation. Help them understand. Or maybe you say, you know what? You've not gotten a lot of sleep this weekend, and we're going to go to dinner with, you know, uh, grandma on Sunday. Sunday. And so usually when you're tired, it's harder for you. You have to work harder to control your emotions. And so now that you know that, just preparing them, making them aware of it. And now we're ready to go into the dinner, okay? So it's about being proactive. It's about helping them identify the triggers for frustration or for stress. Um, Helping them see uh, before it happens. Uh, Okay, so now don'ts. Don't lower the bar for your expectations. This is what we do. And it starts early. Well, she's teething. You know, so then we change all of our routine. Or we say, oh, well, she didn't get any sleep last night. That's why she beat your kid up. I'm sorry about that. You know, and, and so we apologize for our child's misbehavior because we go, it's really my fault. I, you know, I didn't put her down to bed on time. And, and we, we lower the bar. We lower the bar and for our expectations. Here's the deal. Two kinds of behavior, acceptable and unacceptable. Boom. Are there some understandable misbehaviors? Are there some situations where it totally makes sense that they misbehave? Absolutely. But there are two kinds, acceptable and unacceptable. And I don't lower the bar for my expectations. And when you start to do personalities and you start to say, oh, well, this is the way she likes things or this is his drift or this is his, and I can see how this would upset him, We be careful. We have to be very careful that we do not lower the bar for our expectations just because we say, well, this doesn't come naturally to her or this doesn't come naturally to him. It's my responsibility to equip them for any situation. So don't lower the bar. Don't make excuses for your child's behavior. Don't make excuses for your child's behavior. Lower the bar, making excuses is kind of the same thing. And I mean, I do it now even. I did it now. I always would take, I take responsibility instead of putting the responsibility on them. Uh, They don't have their homework. Well, it's because I woke them up late. No, they don't have their homework because I don't have their homework. Period. It, It doesn't matter why. And so I make excuses and usually I, what am I doing? I am delaying their development. I'm instead of teaching them that they are fully responsible, I'm saying actually it was my fault. Now sometimes I yes I have blown it and I I am to blame and I say I'm sorry and they learn that and they move on. But we have to be careful, be wise, and don't make excuses for our child's behavior. Our goal is understanding, not excusing. So when you're filtering and when you're filtering the personality stuff through their kids, make sure that you are doing it to understand, not to excuse. 
behavior and certainly not to lower the bar. And, oh, you know, I can't go a lesson without saying this. Do not interfere to eliminate struggle or natural consequences. Do not interfere to eliminate struggle or natural consequences. Easier said than done, I know, but there's value in struggle. Struggle builds strength. And we know that, we know it intellectually, but no one wants to see her child struggle. It is so painful. From the earliest days, a child who is struggling to reach for a toy, what's our reflex? Give them the toy. Instead of understanding that struggle is actually building gross motor skills. And that struggle to pick it up is actually building fine motor skills. So I can give it to the child and delay his development, or I can say there's value in the struggle. And the more I see it for a little one, the more likely I am to see it when my teenager makes a mistake and I want to intervene. And so the earlier you can implement that, the better. Seeing value in the struggle, seeing that struggle builds strength. Because my responsibility, your responsibility, is to prepare your child for the path, not the path for your child. My job is to prepare my child for any path, to study my child, to learn my child, to say, okay, this child is completely different from this one. I have the same goals for both, that they are independent, competent adults, but I'm going to parent them differently because I know that each is wonderfully complex and distinctly different. I'm going to study, I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to prepare them for any situation that they may encounter. I cannot jump in and interfere. I cannot delay development just because I'm uncomfortable. That's my responsibility. That's your responsibility. It's a wonderful thing. It's an overwhelming thing. If you don't throw up in your mouth a little bit when you think about it, then you're really not thinking about it correctly because it's a big responsibility. But what a blessing it is to understand, to help my kid understand himself to help my kid understand others and how relationships work and to prepare him for any path he may encounter. What a wonderful thing to train up a child in the way he should go. What a wonderful responsibility. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, God, and I celebrate each child that you've given to each mom listening, each mom in this room, we celebrate their uniqueness. We celebrate their individuality. But God, we are dependent on you for the wisdom, the discernment, the common sense, the strength, the tenacity, the patience, the love that we need to prepare these children. Give us what we need, God, and help us see the way that you're guiding our children so that we can equip them for that way. In Jesus' name, amen.